laugh. Nervously. <laughs> laugh, laugh, nervously. We love you. No, it's, it's really, it's, it's good stuff, but I, I just, uh, yeah. Okay, so I had this dream the other night, and here's the dream, is that um, there was this great big river, and all these boats were just going this way. You could see all these boats going um, in this river, and Chuck was right in front of me, and so the boats were, you know, pointed flat on this side, pointed this way, flat on the back, like most boats are. Do you know what I mean? And the boats are just going, wow, wow, wow. But Chuck's boat is opposite, so his looks like this, right? And he's sitting in his boat, so his boat's pointed this way, the river's going this way, and he's driving backwards, which if you know anything about Chuck Spicka, he loves to drive backwards. He's like one of goals in life is to be a stunt driver that has to drive a car backwards because he's really good at it. So he's driving his boat backwards, right? And so he's having his, his boat's pointed this way, the river's flowing this way, but he keeps doing this, and he's driving, and he's coming back around, and he's driving. We have this running joke that Chuck is not very bendy, so it was really hard for him to twist and turn, you know? And, and I thought first that this was just Chuck's dream, but as I have just sat on it, it's really much, it is for him, but it's also much bigger than for him. And so I'm standing on the bank, right? And I'm watching all these boats go past, and Chuck is moving down the river, but you can imagine he's moving much slower than the other boats, right? Because his boat's pointed the, the wrong way. And so he's having all this tension and stuff pulling back, and I'm going, turn around, turn around, just turn your boat around. And he's going, what? And he goes, I'm going, turn your boat around. And he goes, no, I drive backward really great. I got this, right? Because he was so confident. This isn't about Chuck, so listen for yourself, right? His boat was pointed toward the past his boat was pointed toward where he had done well before his confidence is I drive really fast backward it's okay I'm going people are going behind you know they're going past you it's okay it's okay so I'm asking the Lord I'm going Lord he can't hear what I'm saying he's like you gotta turn him around so that he's going with the river who's the river that's the river the Spirit of God, right? There's a river that flows from the throne of God, and it flows down the river, right? <clears throat> so then all of a sudden, the next thing in the dream is Chuck's in this like whoosh, whirlpool sort of thing, and he stops, and his boat is pointing the right direction. He goes whoosh, just like that. So I had to sit on that for a while, and Chuck and I were talking about it, and he's got meaning in that for him personally. But as I've just prayed on that, <clears throat> There's something about us understanding what we're talking about. So here's the elements. There's a river of God's goodness, grace, mercy, and favor. It's always going. It's been going since the beginning of time. And if you go look at Revelation, it goes on forever. Do you know this? The oceans will disappear, but the river that flows from the throne of God goes on and on and on. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh This is like a spiritual reality, whether you believe it or not. I mean, it's just how it is. And people have the privilege, their boat is like, some people say your vehicle, your boat, your car, whatever is your ministry, what you're called to do, your destiny, right? And you get to be in charge of your little boat. God gives you a little boat, gives everybody a little boat, a little car, and you get to be in charge of that. 
And you get to be in charge of how you drive that, how you shoot it. And the Lord in his grace is going to keep moving you along, right? right? But it's going to be up to you whether or not you get to go with the flow of the river of God or whether you slow yourself down because, listen, you keep looking back to what you've done well in the past or what you've done poorly in the past. But the Lord is always going this way, right? The river's always flowing forward. And so if you, so many of us, this is the thing that just so... Confronting for me personally, I get, you get, we get, so confident in compensating. Instead of just doing it the way the Lord meant for us to do it, get in the boat. I'm going to carry you down the river. No thanks. I'll do it myself. You hear me? Yep. I'm pretty confident. I know what I'm doing. I know how to drive a boat. You don't need to tell me how to drive. Can you just hear all those attitudes that come up? I don't know how to drive a boat. Let me scramble. Okay. Oh, I don't know how to drive. Can you just see all the conversations in your head about how we compensate instead of just turning the boat around and going with the Lord and asking the Spirit, do whatever. Here's the surrender. Lord, do whatever it takes to help me flow in your direction. Right? Because when the I asked the Lord later, what the swirl was about, and the Lord always uses for me personally and in Scripture, rushing water is the Holy Spirit, yep. right? Swirling of the water is always the Holy Spirit. And so that swirling that Chuck went around in that boat was an encounter with Holy Spirit that kind of disorients you but then rightly directs you. So some of us need to just simply have a prayer of surrender. Holy Spirit, do whatever you got to do. To reorient me so that I stop thinking that it's all on me, that I'm going to go the direction that you want in your power. So hear me say this. If you've said yes to getting in the boat with Jesus, you're going to go down the river of God because he's good. It's a question of how fast you want to go and how hard you want to make it on yourself. So got anybody got, got the dream in summation? That's kind of it. Now, are you hearing anything about this that connects for you personally that you want to share because it might edify other people in the room? Anything about the dream that you see that I've not said? Come on. The swirl, even though it's the Holy Spirit and it's reorienting, like you said, it can feel disorienting or probably a little unpleasant at times. For sure. You know, like... For sure. Like, you're going... Surrender. A good thing. Yeah, surrender helpless even. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Who else? Somebody going to say something? So for me, um, in November of 16, when I stepped out of the boat and started walking on water, when I started working for myself, um, I trusted God for patience. But now that I've taken on three full-time patients, it's more like instead of going with the flow, I'm doing. One's not enough or two's not enough, but... And I keep telling myself my excuse is, well, in my business, they pass away. I don't know when, but I know they do. So you have to get the money while it's there. And that's true, but... Still driving backwards, maybe. It's so subtle. Do you understand? Yes. It's like, I really want you to hear how subtle it is, because you're moving. You're moving down the river, so you think you're making progress, which you actually are. But you're making it so much harder on yourself than the Lord ever had desire for you yeah. to do. Were you going to say something? Um, I just think, like, the way you said, like, looking back at the past at what you did well, um, just, like, so, uh, 
Because I think, like, I always think of looking back at the past and, like, looking up what was wrong and you're not letting go of that or, you know, whatever. Or the Lord's redeemed that. But, um, like, I'm just looking at going into a new school year and, like, trying to be a little more intentional in how I, I don't know, do the, my beginning of the class time that, like, we pray. And, like, looking at doing a mission trip and how I'm going to spend, we're going to spend, like, lunches together what I want to talk about with them there. And I think I get stuck on, well, like the Lord and I have done this year after year and you have a great year and you're like, wow, whatever I did that year or whatever, like we did that year, like I just need to duplicate that. But it's like, no, because I get fresh stuff and the kids are different every time. Right. And it's just less authentic if you're just regurgitating <coughs> material that you done over and over not that you can't ever do that but that's not what the lord I feel like is asking so like trying to go about it with not just like i mean take and learn but don't expect just to be the same because then you're taking the spirit out of it of hey going hey spirit what do you want me to talk to them about you're just going oh well i talked to them about this last year and it went well so let's do that again good i appreciate what you said about you're going to keep going down the road like that there's a choosing and if you if you want to drive the boat backward, you certainly may and you will keep going down the river. So I just appreciated that comment about trying to reorient and just as you're uh, speaking, Jessica, about um, like I think that the past experiences, if, if I'm in a boat, my past experiences in a boat are relevant. Yes. Because it helps me understand what the changes in the river or the different things that I'll see I'm learning each time and I'm always learning something new about being in the river with God and yet nothing's wasted from my past in terms of knowing how to handle my boat well with him you know does that make sense what I'm shooting at yes completely so let's let's like talk about that okay and so what are those experiences the good ones and the bad ones from God's perspective mm-hmm. What what are what is his win when you review your good your successes and your failure? What's God's win in those? Uh, that I'm growing and I'm learning, I guess. About. Uh, about life with Him. Faith. Right. It's like your history that you build on for going forward, right? I was say it's your foundation of faith that grows the deeper. That God was there when you failed. God was there when you were selfish. God was there when you lost control. God was there when you did really great and you had a great year. And God was really there when you did had a terrible year and you weren't consistent. And God was there because the river's there. You're in the river of God. There's a confidence that comes when you're... We So many of us, and this is kind of where we're going, I think, today, I think, is that we are not paying attention to the river of God because we're so busy with our own little boat trying to figure out if we know how to drive it. And we won't even listen to coaching when we are being told, hey, you're making this really hard on yourself. Just, you know, turn the boat around, right? Because here's one thing that I I do want to say, and this is the hard part about the dream I didn't tell you. Chuck had the power to turn his boat around. Do you understand? Because if you know how to drive a boat, turning a boat around is nothing. Because you're a captain. Do you understand what I'm saying? So... There's a way that participate quickly when the Lord is going, hey, you're making this so much harder. Participate quickly. Hey, why are you doing? We don't have to do it like that. Why are we doing it like that? Do you understand what I'm saying? That you would be so t- quick and so tender to the Lord that he doesn't have to put you in a, a whirlpool just to get you going in the right direction. He will do that. 
He will also let you keep going. But there's a sensitivity to the spirit because um, this um, this uh, this river of God is like so much bigger than I think we're grabbing hold of. So before I move forward, anything else about the dream that God stirred for you or pinged you or something that you want to share? I want to say something on my brother's behalf because I don't know if he'll... I'm, this I'm is what I've seen, and I don't know if he would share or not. He's coming to Knoxville from a place that is totally new to him. Right. So he's leaving behind all of his past, and some of it was not good. Right. He's now coming to a place that he's in a body of believers that will share with him, God loves you right where you are, not based on what you wear, not based on what you listen to, not based on your performance. I got up and went to Sunday morning. I got up and helped at the church on the word right. kind of thing. So for for him, the waters right now are like this because he's trying to get his feet established on a new ground. Sure. In a new place. Right. And I think Satan fought us on that because he knew the spiritualness that was here that my brother was lacking in North Carolina. Right. And I'm not saying that there's not spiritual people in North Carolina, but the the path of where my brother was, he was not able to find it on his own. Sure. And Tell so I think for him, the past was known, but it wasn't necessarily good. Sure. So he's in this good. spitting and churning to land on new waters and go an easier stream with God. Yeah, I'm in. And, and when we say easy... Not, not, not no thorns. Like, I don't... I'm not talking about, oh, life's going to be easy. It's, it's lit. We're living, right? It's life. It's life. Forever is life. But there's something about life with God as opposed to life not with God or life on your own or life without hope and that sort of thing. Do you have a hair tie? <gasps> I didn't even see that. You're the best. I'm so hot. Okay. So here's where I... Here's... Yeah. So here's what I want to do with this conversation, this dream is I had this friend ask me this question. She said, I sent her that song about um, joy. I choose joy. Let it move you. I don't, sometimes I, uh, just a second, we filter it. You have the opportunity when you come into worship environments where everything that you read on the screen, you get to grab hold of, right? And so when you read songs and you receive lyrics that say, I choose joy, let it move you, that's yours. You get to have that. That's your inheritance, right? And so there's something about grabbing hold of, I see something, and I want you to pay attention when you see that. And you go, well, I don't feel joy right now. It's completely irrelevant, right? Because your feelings do not drive your life unless you let them. Yes? On the radio, he gives a good testimony. The guy who wrote the song about that, too. Okay. About not just being your feelings, but like a rock solid, like joy that is always there, regardless of how you're feeling. Right. Because people who, in, in this generation, this season of time, everybody's talking about anxiety attacks, and everybody's talking about suicide, and everybody's talking about depression, and everybody's talking about hopelessness. Oh, it's so hard. And you know why they keep talking about that? Because they keep talking about that because that's what they're seeing. And, like, there's something. You want to break through that miasma, and you want to break through that kind of demonic stronghold, you start going, I choose joy. And it's just like when lightning strikes the earth, 
It breaks that stuff. And I've known people who have overcome massive depression who are on all kinds of drugs. And the way that they got there was I choose the truth of God more than I choose this reality of what I'm seeing right here. Does it take some work? Yes, but you're worth it. And Jesus has done the work for you. All we're trying to get you to do is which truth system are you going to align with? And you get to choose that. So there's something about, I, I, I want to boil this down much more simply. I want to say to you, I'm prophesying over you. When you open your mouth and you go, I choose joy, something happens in a world that you cannot Amen. see. Barb, you and I can attest to that because we've watched it. Absolutely. And we have watched it happen. And you start saying that crazy person in your car, you sing a verse, you sing a word, you're going, I just, I'm not going to put up with this, God. I'm not going to put up with this. I'm choosing joy. This is who you are. This is what you say about me. You start saying that stuff out loud. And in the same way that your father said, let there be light, you have that kind of power because his spirit's living in you. Are you all tracking with what I'm saying? And I just, I have, I found myself, I was up in the middle of the night going, why are all these people so sick? Will's back. Haley's still in the hospital, desperately sick. Ginger's still bad. She's going to have surgery. My brother's sick. He's going to have surgery. It's like, what's happening? And the Lord said, he just, just gripped my heart. He's like going, that you may partake of the divine nature. And so I'm going, wait, partake of the divine And I'm waking up, Chuck, isn't that in the scripture? He says, in Peter, so I can get my Bible. So let me show it to you. Let me show you this verse. You need to see this verse for your own eyeballs. <clears throat> that you may partake of the divine nature. Let me find it. Second Peter, Second Peter um, 1.3. Yeah, so I have it. I printed it out because it's bigger for me. So Second Peter chapter 1. Verse 3. And I'm going to wait until you pull it up somewhere on your phone. Google it if you have to because you need to see it through your own eyeballs. His divine power. Whose power? His. His divine power has given us what? Everything, Everything we need for a godly life through what? Knowledge. Our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. I understand your translations may be different. But this is a mathematical equation. Divine power has given us everything we need through divine knowledge, through him, by his own glory and goodness. In verse 4, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that by them you may participate in the divine nature. You get to participate in the divine nature of God, because you've escaped the, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. So I just want to stop there for a second. So I'm going, wait, is it that you and I always, always, always have the divine nature and we're so easily talked out of it? Is it that we, we always get to have, we always have access to the divine nature on earth as it is in heaven, and yet we somehow get talked into less than weakness, poverty, brokenness, sickness, and death when the Lord's going, look, I've given you everything you need for life and godliness. I just want to say to you, you have to wrestle that out with the Lord. I have given you everything that you need for life and godliness. And see if you're going, well, I don't, I don't have life and godliness. And the Lord's going, then you have to start a conversation. The Lord goes, well, why don't you have everything you need for life and godliness? Because I don't have blank. And the Lord goes, well, why don't you have blank? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. This is how you do the work with the Holy Spirit. It's like, I wonder that some of us just want to show up and go, I'm healed, which I pray that for you too, but it's not my experience. 
You know, how many times did I hear John D. goes, take that scripture and I'll see you in five years. Because you have to duke it out. You have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And you have to come into this place. Listen, so many of us have spent years upon years upon years with a mindset that is hostile to God. And that was not my word. I'm just trusting the Holy Spirit to just be delivering that where it needs to be. Hostile. At war, you are an enemy in your thought life against God because you don't believe God is real, you don't believe God is real for you, and you don't believe God is real good for you. That's a hostile mindset. So you want to shut that down and go, we are rewriting the hard drive. I'm, I'm going to erase my hard drive, and I'm going to reinstall a new system. And my new system says that God has given me everything I need for life and godliness, and I'm just going to keep pressing into that. I don't think I see that right here, Lord. Is there something in me that you're wanting to change, or am I just simply waiting on you, and you're building my faith muscles? Because it's one of the two. It's one of the two. He's either refining you, or he's training you and waiting in patience. He's refining you, or you're waiting in patience. And there have been so many times that I have seen people in my life and probably in your life too, people go, well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. And it takes everything in me to go, actually, the Lord's been waiting on you for about five years. Holla. Amen. 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 Because you won't lay down attitudes. You won't even press into the things of God. And I just love each one of you. You guys need to learn how to worship. You got to get in your car. You got to get in your house. You got to get out of your head and you got to just throw your body into it. And I'm going to sing at the top of my lungs until I hear myself say what the Spirit of God is saying over me. Amen? Amen. Can y'all tell I'm fired up? I have been, been up a lot of hours tonight. I'm just like going, listen, here's why all this matters. Here's why all this matters. Because I'm going to go to the hospital and I'm going to see Haley and I'm going to pray over her and I need to know that Jesus is going to show up. When we go do that. And it's like, we're going to pray for you. I didn't know you were coming today. We're going to pray for you. That you get the rest of your healing. Right? Because there's a way that God is saying, why? I was walking. I went and saw Haley at the hospital. And I was, I was walking through the parking lot. And I was going, God, this hospital parking lot is full. Why is this parking lot full? And he goes, because my people don't believe me. Now, I'm thankful for hospitals, and I'm thankful all of us have had medical care lately, and we're so thankful God heals like that too. But are there ways that the enemy is just eating our lunch because we don't know that everything that God has given to us, he's given to us, and we're going, oh, I'm going to drive the bus this way. I'm going to drive my boat this way. I know the river guy's going to go, I got it. I got it. I'm good. Right? So I'm asking for us to collectively to come back in and press into these things that God has said. And I want to give you, um, I want you to flip to First Peter, because this was so beautiful. And I was talking to my friend about choosing joy. And she said, how do I choose joy? That seems so impossible to me. What am I doing wrong? And I said, the reality that God's love can change the way we feel and change the way we hope. He is full of joy, and we tap into that. So I want, to hear, I want you to hear me say this. God is full of joy. So you don't have to go muster up joy. All you do is tap into his joy. And then even though our heart is breaking, we connect with his spirit. And choosing joy is declaring, I am loved. I have all I need and help is all the way, on the way. I'm going to say that to you again. Choosing joy is declaring, I am loved. I have all I need and help is on the way. And I can hear some of the prospects. Some of you who are in really tough places financially or you have these very pinching places where we all have and possibly will have again is that you have to ask the question, do I have all I need right now? 
my daily bread right now, right? Because the enemy would have tried to steal that from you. And faith activates joy. Your faith activates your joy. I'm going to say those again. Choosing joy is declaring, I am loved. I have all I need. Help is on the way. And faith activates joy. So in 1 Peter 4, 1 Peter 4, verse um, 12. Make sure I've got all this right. Because the Lord was like blowing me up. <clears throat> First Peter, um, make sure I've got this right. Beloved friends, for, beloved, uh, this is, I want to not read this in the Passion. Who has got um, NIV? I don't want to read this in the Passion just yet. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Keep reading. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. So there's something about this passage, and I'm, I'm not going to try to blow through all this because the Lord and I are still cooking on it. But this phrase that I saw it in several translations at 14, it says, If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're greatly blessed because, this, because the spirit of glory and power rests upon you. The spirit of glory and power rests upon you. Are we aware? Are you consciously aware that whether you're feeling say so or not, the spirit of glory and power rests upon you. And what does that mean to you? Does that, does that mean like, oh, I'm, I'm in the river. Oh, I'm so thirsty. I don't have to go, oh, God's nowhere to be found. No, I'm in a boat on his river. All I got to do is put my face down in the water and I can get a drink. Do you understand? Splash myself with it. It's like we have this sense that we're living out in a desert, but you're ever always in the river of God, in the river of his love, in the river of his abundance, in the river of his favor. And the more that you start contesting that, any, you start contesting anything that says that that's a lie. You start doing warfare against anything that makes you feel abandoned, forsaken, neglected, denied, rejected. Do you hear these things? It's like I had this thing that happened last night. I said to Chuck, I went, hey, how did it feel last night when you realized that the whole table had been invited to a party except us two? How did that feel? That a great big surprise party and everybody was invited but us. And you know what? In that moment, the enemy's going, that's because you don't really have any friends. You're just the old folks that people have to invite. Because blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like going, ah, right? And so then in the shower, I'm in the shower this morning, and it's the first thing I think about. I'm going, yeah, how about that? And the Lord goes, what? why are you even listening to that? Why are you even listening? That's a lie. Like, why are you even listening to that? And let me tell you why those two conversations are happening because I've spent time in the presence of the Lord. And I know the difference. I'm going, that is a lie. Where years ago, I'm going, this is it. This is the only truth I know. It's the only truth. It's the only truth. Do you know what I mean? Can you feel it? When you feel this, you know, you know it's from the devil. And you don't have to sit and go, I need to think about this. No, just rebuke it. Jesus, where are you? Where, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? 
I need to see something beautiful. Sometimes when I'm in my most broken moments or angry moments or upset moments, this is the only prayer I go, I just need to see something beautiful. If I can just see something beautiful, it's going to snap me right back into the heaven of God. Does this make sense to you? So it's like I thought about you seeing your little grasshoppers. You just need to see something beautiful. It can be as you're driving down the interstate at 100 miles an hour, you can still see something beautiful because beauty only comes from heaven. Amen. Are you all tracking what I'm saying? So it's like you fighting, you fighting the good fight for your own heart and your faith because your faith matters for other people. It's beyond your little boat. We need your faith. We need your gifts. We need your declarations of health. We need your testimonies. I believe that reason we don't have more people believing in healing is because we don't have enough testimonies. How many testimonies of healing do you personally have, do you personally have seen that you go, hey, I remember we prayed for this person and they got well, right? Because that builds your confidence. Yeah, I'll pray for it. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'm going to pray for it. Happened before. Could happen again. Amen? Amen. So this thing here, I want to show you this one. This is from the footnotes from the Passion. I know I'm going really fast. You all still breathing? No, no, it was a first Peter four. First Peter four, yeah, first Peter four, twelve to fourteen, and so it says here, and he starts breaking down. Um, yep. Now you're right there in First Peter, so look at First Peter four, one. First Peter four one. I'm right now in the NIV. First Peter four one. Therefore, since Christ suffered on, in his body, arm yourself also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. So I want to, let me see where I want to stop right here. Let me just read this passage to you, if I may. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you spend enough time in the past doing what the pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them in the same flood of dissipation and the heap of abuse on you. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in, live according to God in regard to the spirit. Verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Pay attention to that verse. Therefore, be clear-minded, self-controlled, so that you can pray. Can I just tell you that when you're freaking out and you're obsessed with yourself and your fears and your upsets and your anxieties, you're not clear-minded to pray. That's a hard word, but it's one nonetheless. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins and offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Here's what I'd like to just show you in the footnotes from the Passion. It talks about same attitude as Christ. And it says that is, learn to think like him. Learn to think like Christ. And the translation of Aramaic in that phrase right there says, you are also nourished by him as you meditate on these things. I just thought that was amazing. Let your attitude be the same as that as Christ. Every time I've ever read that my whole life, 
I've made it a works thing. Oh, I should be having the same attitude as Christ. Does, that, does this make any sense? Work, work, work. I need, oh, I'm such a bad person. I need to have the same attitude as Christ, right? But this changes it. This, this Aramaic translation that is think like him and you are also nourished by him as you meditate on him. Does this make wow. sense? Mm-hmm. Like this transition. I think about I think about Christ and as I'm thinking about Christ, he comes to me, he changes my mind and makes me stronger as I think about him. How beautiful is that, right? Right. And so then also verse 8, 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. The, uh, the Greek verb here means to maintain, to possess, to keep. And his translation, the Aramaic translation, to be so closely joined to something that you become its echo. In this case, we join ourselves so closely to God's love that we echo his forgiving, fervent love toward one another. You get so close to God that when God goes love, you go love, love, love. Can you see that? I love that. Like, is that amazing? So I'm going to read that to you again. That it means to maintain, to possess, to keep, to be so closely joined to something that you become its echo. In this case, we join ourselves so closely to God's love that we echo his forgiving, fervent love toward one another. And this, my friends, is where miracles live. You You can't go declare miracles over somebody without intimacy with the one who does the miracles, right? And so we press into intimacy with the Lord. We press into confidence in his love. We press into the confidence in his river. Not because of us, but because of him. And we know him. And we know what he's like. And we know what he's like when he shows up. Amen? Amen. Okay, that's enough. Can I share something that my friend wrote? Yeah. Um, when the, when the, my grandmother's pastor of years that's walked through life's battles with us, when he preached her funeral, he preached from the fruit of the Spirit, and I'd never heard that for a funeral. Today I attended the funeral of a 93-year-old dear saint of God. I experienced the true meaning of preaching your own funeral. Her pastor referenced the fruits of the Spirit and stated that all this lady had lived through, which has been more than any woman should have to endure, she never <coughs> lost her love, her joy, her peace, her long-suffering, her gentleness, her goodness, her faith, her meekness, or her temperance. And her continual prayer was for all of her family to meet her in heaven. I am so blessed to have known this lady for more than 40 years. And what a testimony for it to be standing room only today in her church, especially since she had spent the last 15 years in an assisted living facility. Wow. Amen. It doesn't matter what we go through. Right. The fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. When we travel, when we walk, yea, though I walk, when we have Him, we don't lose that joy. We don't lose that faith. We don't give up because, and and His words was, when you plant today, you don't walk out tomorrow expecting to harvest. You build that faith. You you plant. Plant the seeds. And He said, she, she never lost the fruit of the Spirit because she kept planting and planting and praying and watering and planting. That's where we are. we, we got to build our faith. we got to grow our intimacy with Him. 
that's the biggest thing that you've taught me in my four years of being with you. And now I need it. Now it's like, <laughs> I don't know how I did life before this, but. And that's a question is how, how do people do it? You know, it's because like I'm running into these people and they're freaking out and they're distressed and there's like all these terrible things happening and I'm going, well, what's the Lord saying? And they go, bling, bling, bling. Well, they're like, I'm saved and I'm here. He's up there. Exactly. They don't realize he's walking and so the it's like, with them. And that, so then the testimony is like right here, right? Turn the boat around so that you're, he's right here. He's right here. Every time that you ever remotely, if I could just bless you with this, every time the thought ever comes to you, I'm alone, I'm forsaken, you should just automatically know there's a, there's a demon in the house. Like, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's too dramatic. It's a lie. Because that is the number one thing he's been saying from the garden. Do you know what I mean? You're alone. You're forsaken. Nobody's here for you. And nothing, nothing could be further from the truth. It's one of the very last things that Jesus has said all through the time that he was here. And when he died, he came back. He said it again. The whole New Testament is him going, he's here. He's alive. He cares. Do you know what I mean? It's like you just, you got to pay attention to that. I'm alone. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go eat worms song. (laughs) Were you going to say something? Uh, Just going back to um, what you were talking about in in 2 Peter 1. You know, if you... So you were talking about the fact that we already have his divine nature and we already participated. Yes. But the, um, and I'm not going to read them, but if you look at verse 5 to 9. Yes, yes. Uh, he, he talks about. The progression. Yeah. Like in other words, I'm in the river. Like I, I love the affirmation that you made that we can't, we're not going to be pulled out of the river. We're in the river. We're with the Lord. And yet we can control our thoughts and our actions, that's the only thing that we can control. Yes. Where we can say, I know this to be true about you, God, and I'm going to I'm gonna take action in line with my faith and in line with my truth, the truth that you've given me, and I'm going to grow and I'm going to build on it. And I think that's the thing that I sometimes, um, I sometimes I'm looking for and I'm around people that are looking for something outside them to change them. Like somehow God's going to magic. Somehow something's going to happen that's going to change my reality if I feel pitiful enough <coughs> for myself, as opposed to saying, I'm going to grab hold of this, I'm going to call it my own, and I'm going to take governance over my thoughts, and I'm going to take action in line with what God's saying. Can we look at this passage? Because I, I want to share a testimony. So we're in Second yeah. Peter chapter 1, verse 5. So I've just told you, you, so that you may participate in the divine nature, verse 4. Some of you guys need to just sit in verse 4 for a little while. He's given us these very great and precious promises. So through them, the very great and precious promises, you get to participate, live in, own the divine nature. Some of you all just need to sit right there, right? But then once you get there, you go to verse 5. For this reason, because we have the divine nature, we make every effort. Some of you need to underline that in your Bible. We make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Four, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from what? What does your Bible say? Being and unproductive in what? Your knowledge of your 
because like productive yeah. to me is like working it up. But, yeah. Neither barren nor unfruitful. So there is something about the Lord, but whoever does them, yeah, I don't want to get talk about that. But it's like this is what happens if you do these things. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And knowledge is we we are chucking out for some reason in a season of we are surrounded by the headies. They have a lot of knowledge. They got zero intimacy. So they can answer every biblical question. They got no fruit. They got no power. They got no love. They got no connection. But they got the answers, right? So I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the knowledge of intimacy, right? Um, Hold on a second. I'm having like a thing. Do you remember that passage of scripture where it says, uh, they come to Jesus and they go, didn't we perform miracles and do all this yeah. stuff in your name? And Jesus said, I never knew you, right? And doesn't that knowing mean to be like married, that kind of knowing? Right. It means you never granted me intimate access. Sit on that. Because you hear that, you hear that passage, you never granted me intimate access. So your first natural, my, uh, sorry, my first natural reaction is Jesus. Have I granted you intimate access to my life? Have I granted you intimate access to every single area of my life that I welcome you as my God in my life? And he goes, yes or no? And he doesn't go, no, you haven't. He's going, uh, not yet. And you're going, well, well, come on in, right? That's how, it's as simple as that. Well, then come on in. Thank you for showing me that. Come on in. So there's a way of you making your Aim not to be a really super fine, polished Christian, but you to be a super loving and loved Christian. And out of that place of being with him, this divine nature, listen, let me just tell you what the Lord has said. You connect with me and all those things are going to start oozing out of you. Because he is, he is, look, he is faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, love. He is that. So you blind yourself to him and him with you, and he's going to start oozing out of your pores, all those things. And so you just keep working it out. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, with just great affection. I just love that. I just love that. So I don't want to talk anymore about what I do. What I do is I want to... 